Greetings, welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. And I'm Bully. Uh, you may notice that I am sick right now, so please enjoy the wrench Corinthian leather that is my voice. Sound great. Yeah, it's really good. I wish I could be sick all the time. Yeah. So nice. So, here we are. The season finale. We made it. We made it. It's finally happening, people. This is episode 25, Conspiracy. No. No, it's not. Episode 25, The Neutral Zone. Neutral Zone. That's the one. As our story opens, the Enterprise is monitoring an old space vessel that's floating by. And Data wants to go take a look, because they've got time. They're just waiting for Picard to arrive back from a conference. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Let's let's go over to this old-style ship that's out here for no reason. Um, turns out there are frozen people on board from... The planet Earth. Yeah, from contemporary Earth. In fact, I think pre-2014, if I recall correctly. Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, these people got frozen and put in orbit and then somehow got knocked out of orbit and now are apparently way the hell out here. Or they drift in deep space for yeah, some reason. Despite not having, you know, warp capability to get them out that far. Um, I don't imagine, like, I, I don't know, uh, drifting, would they be able to even get out of the solar system? Well, it took Voyager until like now to make it outside of our own solar system. Yeah, and it was launched with a specific purpose of doing that. Like, I mean, it well, was... you know, it took some pit stops along the way. Yeah, we, yeah. We but, don't really know how, how far away from the Earth they are. This yeah, thing is, though. This is like, true. We don't know exactly where they're waiting for Picard. I just always assume they're out in the uh, yeah. great big wide galaxy because that's how the first... That's how the first episode starts, you know? The very first words out of Captain Picard are, you know... We're going to stop here, and then beyond which lies the unexplored mass of the galaxy. That's what's happening. I kind of get the feeling they're really, like, dipping their toe, though, in the bathwater of unexplored <laughs> space and going back, retreating yeah, yeah. back into known space a lot. Yeah, it's like, ooh, that's cold. Well, <laughs> Chilly. I mean, half the, half the episodes in this season involve them going to planets that, that were well-established and well-known. Yeah, yeah. They're, certainly, they mix they mix in some unexplored territory, but they don't seem to be out there all the time. Yeah, clearly. Who knows? Hmm. Anyways, um, Data decides that he can't leave those people there on that ship so he has them beamed over because Picard has gotten back and they got to get going yeah uh and it turns out they're going to the neutral zone as per the title of this episode because shit's been going down along the neutral zone border what kind of shit well let me tell you it seems that science stations have been scooped up and without a trace no one knows what's going on and there is rumblings that it could be a Romulan. The Romulans? Who are they? Well, Patrick, the Romulans are an offshoot race of the Vulcans who were a main antagonist in the original series. I see. And apparently, they haven't been active in the... uh, galactic political scene for about 60 years or so. The time of Kirk being some 75 years previous. Interesting. So, no one knows what's going on with the Romulans. They haven't been seen since the days of Kirk. Uh, And certainly you'll notice that in all of the uh, Star Trek movies, with the original cast, the Romulans never show up. It's always Klingons, never Romulans. Indeed. So, after deciding that the Ferengi weren't gonna do as the main antagonist for the uh, 
uh, next gen, uh, it was decided to dust off the Romulans and trot them out of retirement. Like and it. that's all to the good, because the Romulans are way better than the Ferengi as a villain. Makes sense. Yes. So, they're on their way to the neutral zone to investigate this shit. Meanwhile, Dr. Crusher, under orders from no one, has thawed these people out. Well, what choice did she have? They had 20th century diseases. Yeah, they were dead and needed to be brought back to life. Like, they weren't just sick. They were all dead. How does that even work? Well, they're frozen at the moment of death or shortly thereafter, and then it's hoped that medical science will Mm. advance to the point where whatever killed them can be reversed and they can be reanimated, as it were. Pretty nice. That's the idea. And, hey, it worked. These people are now 300 years displaced from where they started. She says what their afflictions were, too. They're pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah. Um, One of them had... Congestive heart failure, I think? Yeah, and one of them died of an embolism. And one guy had a liver that was about to fail. It's pretty awesome that... It would have been nice if they kind of explained how exactly they saved them, but that might have been a a bit... Medical magic. Really, yeah. That's what it comes down to, is the uh, pretty much all of the uh, medical science practiced in Next Gen is basically magic. They never explain much of it, unless they're cutting open Worf, in which case they'll tell us about all his redundant systems. I'm not a doctor, but I assume what happened was as soon as she unfroze them, it was simply a matter of waiting for the Grim Reaper to appear, and then before the Grim Reaper could take them away, just stunning him with a phaser and beating yeah. him into space. It's exactly And right. they're fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So now we've got a couple of assholes from the 20th century bumming around the, the 24th. Assholes, you say? Oh, well, at least one of them is a major league asshole. Mm, by 20th century standards? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I think even by 24th century standards. Well, I think the bar is pretty low in the 24th century to be mm-hmm. an asshole. Basically, unless you're Riker, you have to act a very specific way, it seems. Mm-hmm. Riker certainly doesn't care for these people. No uh, at one point, he laments, you know, wow, it's a wonder our species survived. He's pretty uppity. Yeah, he really is. They all were towards these guys. And, and to be perfectly fair, only one of these defrosties was actually an asshole, and that was the business guy. Yeah, the, the southern dude and the lady. I don't yeah. even know, like, what did they do? Nothing. Like, I was like, Jesus, Riker, that lady was nothing but friendly. What's your problem? Yeah. So what we get is an episode where uh, it's very tense and intrigues going on with, like, will we're going to be on the border of the... Uh, of the neutral zone with the Romulan Empire and will we run into the Romulans and on the other hand comedy with fish out of water mm-hmm. from the 20th century the guy's basically Thurston Howell III more or less yeah yeah it's kind of weak tea to be perfectly honest this was not a strong candidate for the season finale the season finale should have been the episode we reviewed last week yeah conspiracy that was a season finale this feels like it should have been before the political intrigue of seeing this long disappeared foe, like how they'll react the first time they see them, especially now in sort of a, a charged sort of scenario where these, did they destroy these yeah. outposts? What's going on? It's kind of interesting, but just, yeah, like the execution's not great. Yeah, it really isn't. So basically it goes down that uh, we do have our confrontation with the Romulans. We get two generic Romulans. They don't really appear again. We get next season we'll get what's his face Tomalock yeah he'll show up but we didn't get him this first time out however I gotta say ever since I was a kid ever since I first saw this episode I have been madly in love with the Romulan Warbird I love that ship in, Big green in ship. next gen the next gen Romulan Warbird is badass that thing looks so good but you know they got the design right when this is the first of basically 16, 17, 18 years of television they never changed the model once like mm-hmm. it looks exactly the same all the way through DS9 I'm sure it makes an appearance or two in that other show Voyager yeah they never change it it's so good why why would you because it looks awesome it looks really badass and 
when remember when Shreddies did those cereal toys of, of course. the ships? Of course. The uh, the Romulan Warbird was the best of those. As well. Although the runner-up for that had to be the uh, Ferengi Marauder because that thing you could throw, like it made a really great throwing star. You think with a Warbird, like it's got that front section, the face of the ship is really huge. Yeah. That's where everyone lives, you know, that's where all the crew is. I think the rest of the ship is just empty, more or less. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all engines and fucking cloaking device. <laughs> yeah, the cloaking device is the size of 20 football fields. Yes. But it's an impressive ship, and it, it looks really cool. So for that alone, this episode gets a pass from me. All right. They meet, we find out that neither of them know what's happening to these outposts. Yeah. Of course, we, as next-gen fans, know that this is going to turn out to be the handiwork of the Borg. Ooh, maybe. Well, An unknown threat has yeah. destroyed these. When they, when they wrote it... It was clearly written as kind of a placeholder. It's like, we're going to come up with something worthy of this, but yeah. we don't quite know what it is yet. And then they uh, then they got the Borg, and they're like, bingo. Yeah, well, the writer strike was kind of happening at the same time as this. So they kind of probably handcuffed a lot of stuff from happening. Mm-hmm. The production notes kind of say this more or less was a draft, the storyline for this episode. Maybe mm-hmm. it would have been refined quite a bit yeah, more. Yeah, because there's not a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. It is relatively sparse, as demonstrated by the fact that we've pretty much blown through all of the major points of the episode well, just, in like 10 minutes. Just to clarify though, I mean there were outposts on both sides of the neutral zone both Starfleet and Romulan Empire outposts that were destroyed and yeah. the question was whether each side would blame the other for their destruction. But cooler heads prevailed sort Huzzah! of. And then we get a, a very dramatic we're back from the uh, Romulans. Yeah. Because I guess you have to like have a catchphrase. Because like by the way guys, we're going to be the new the new villains. It worked for Ghostbusters 2. It works for the Romulans in TNG. Sure. Now um, it works for McRib like every year. Oh yeah, almost. McRib is back, and every year I'm like yes, and then every year I never uh, five minutes after I say yes, I'm like oh, that was disappointing. Do you get one every time? Oh yeah, every time. Is it the same every time? Yeah, it's always disappointing. Does the recipe ever change at all? I don't know. I feel like every year they put more and more barbecue sauce on it. What I would really like is if since they bring I mean they bring out the McRib like not now not like clockwork or anything. It just happens roughly every couple years. Yeah. I would like it if they made a big batch of packaging like and then used it until it ran out yeah so like if they make like a million McRib boxes or wrappers or whatever it is they just use them they make them in like 1990 they have to keep using them until yeah, they run out and then run. they can't redesign until that happens so if that takes a decade great yeah um, this actually reminds me of something that just happened with the recent uh, re-release of the McRib yeah. here in town I think we're going to talk about the McRib at least as long as we do the <coughs> easily continue please so this past year when the McRib made its re-release uh, it was supposed to be around for just a month it's ominous return yeah Much like and then it was gone except from that one McDonald's McDonald's on is it Pandora? There is a McDonald's on Pandora. Yeah, like downtown. Well, that one's on Douglas. Uh, not not like heading downtown. I mean, yeah, Pandora. Yeah. So the one on Pandora, I, I drove past it a full month after the McRib was supposed to be gone. So the McRib had it would have been two months at that point that the McRib had been out there and they had the, on their sign we still have the McRib nice because what happens of course is they get their McRib and they're fr- they're just frozen right so yeah. like they get what supposedly will be a month's supply and three months to sell them yeah so the Pandora McDonald's took like three months to go through their McRib supply so they had this just really tragic sign we still have the McRib I think that's an indictment of the, the good people of this town not stepping up and eating yeah. Eating the expected allotment of McRibs. Have I mean, have you ever eaten at the Pandora McDonald's? Of course. I've never eaten there. I've only ever passed it. Oh, there's a fireplace inside. 
you can sit by the fire as you eat your McRib or whatever. Really? It, it looks like the scuzziest McDonald's I've ever seen. Oh, it's quite classy inside. Really? Yeah, it's a ballroom. <laughs> you. I haven't eaten there in a decade, okay? like. Now, I remember the downtown McDonald's had chandeliers. That's the scuzziest one in town. <laughs> There's no question. It's got the upstairs. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. back to Star Trek, now that we've talked about the McRib. We can do it. We'll do a separate podcast reviewing do... all the McDonald's in town. Oh, let's do that. That, sound, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. We'll call it Diecast Stomach. Anyhow, something came up during the uh, episode, and I tried to talk to you about it, but you were very thoroughly asleep. And was I? Oh yeah, because I, I mentioned it to you, and I got no response from you. Like I, I talked for like a good like forty five seconds to a minute. Listen, and buddy, then I stopped to wait for your response. And... I was working hard there to, to tune out not only you but also the episode. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, wake up. And you're like, huh? And I'm like, I was talking to you. And you're like, oh, sorry. And then I repeated myself. And you <laughs> fell asleep again. Look, I was quite tired. And Beverly Carson was boring me. <laughs> sorry. So anyways, here's what I was getting at. You were talking. You didn't like, you didn't think the lady's reaction was yeah. very credible. It's when yeah. she sees a Klingon. Yeah, she wakes up. Doesn't know what's going on, but this she's is when smi- she This is when she awakes from death. Yeah, yeah. When she's unfrozen. Yeah, she wakes up, she sees Dr. Crusher, she smiles, and then she looks at Worf, and she just faints dead away. She basically and, does a 1980s faint with yeah. goofy yeah, music, Yeah, eyes too. rolling back into her head, and, yeah. and then Picard, welcome to the 24th century, ha ha ha. Yeah. And I you don't... He'd, he'd been saving that line. Thought of it like on yeah. the turbo lift on the way. Yeah, so oh, this is going to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that was a very credible response yeah he's a klingon but let's be really honest about klingons and vulcans and romulans in star trek they don't look terribly inhuman like klingons, klingons are probably are the there. least human looking of the bunch and they still look like people with just funny foreheads i'm surprised she was so shocked you think once in her lifetime she would have watched star trek back in the 20th century <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, like, I have seen people, actual, honest-to-goodness human beings, with more surprising deformities than a Klingon brow. Well, And they've certainly never made me faint. Different people have different reactions to things. It's, I mean, it's, it's a well, like, it's a well-played-with idea of, like, when someone's exposed to that sense of revulsion often that people have when it comes to certain types of insects mm-hmm. is, again, because they're just, they're perceived to be alien in that same way. So... It, Maybe for her, Worf looked alien enough to elicit a strong reaction. And maybe... Maybe. Given the fact, again, that she was just brought back to life, it's not too much of a a stretch to think that like a rush of adrenaline or something or or whatever would cause her to faint. Maybe. I personally don't buy it. See, this is why you had to say it three times. Because I I tried to ignore you twice, but you're like, no, no, you have to wake up. Fine. (sighs) Fine, fine. Like I say, I personally don't buy it. I thought it was silly. Like, I get why they did it. They're going going for a laugh. I get it. The presentation and the the idea to try to get a laugh was silly. Yeah, I agree. It, it just doesn't feel credible, you know? But if, if you want to buy into the, the sci-fi story here, I'm yeah. like, well, you know, whatever. You know, like, like, maybe if he'd been a Ferengi, I would have, with giant ears and shit like that. I don't know. That would be more startling, but if I woke up and saw Worf, my first thought wouldn't be, oh my god, that's an alien. My first thought would be, gosh, I wonder what happened to him. Maybe. Maybe. I think we'd just be jealous of his sweet stash. Yeah. Obviously, but... Envy first, then revulsion. Indeed. That's the episode. Like, I don't have a lot more to say about this episode. Do you, if you've got more, um, please. All right, well. Take the wheel, Captain. Hi, <laughs> I think as you've already said, I mean, one thing to discuss is that it's a really kind of weird way to finish a season. They do it offer. It feels like a filler episode. It really did. 
it, they do try to, I guess, introduce the idea of some perhaps future storylines. The Romulans are pretty major. Yeah, I'm glad to have them back, but I feel like they could have been handled in a more impressive way. Like the the whole storyline with with the missing stations and what well, that's fine. That's good stuff. Yep. It's it needed to be the focus of this episode entirely. We didn't need that B plot. It really felt tacked on. It didn't yeah. add a lot. The guy just being on the bridge during the the main conversation yeah. was more annoying than anything else. Yeah, and you know he was there to deliver that one line. Um, like, and they're like, get him off the bridge. So the security guys go and grab him. But then as they're leaving, oh look, they're coming back on the screen. And instead of continuing to do their job as the security officers would have done, mm-hmm. instead they stop and all stare. No, they were just too wigged out by seeing Romulans for the guess, first time. I guess so. It's seven just, decades. It seems silly to me. Like to me, they should have continued taking him off the bridge. I guess the one trope we should mention is that the, the Thurston Howell guy is presented as being a big time businessman. Wow. Uh-huh. from the 20th century so his whole thing is that he's good at reading people so when he's basically there to act as Kemp's another Latroy. voice yeah <laughs> Kemp's Troy is not on the bridge at this point she's, I know how she's convenient <laughs> doing a uh, she's doing a family tree search for that lady right he more or less fills in her role when Picard is talking to the Romulan and they're kind of jockeying back and forth for yeah. you know advantage Picard's like do you know advantage. who's doing this and they're all like they got those coy faces and then yeah. Buddy jumps in. They don't have a clue. They're hoping you know, but they're too arrogant to say. It was kind of annoying because this is like that would have been a moment for Troy to actually do something useful. Yeah, and it would have been good if she delivered it in that way. But instead, she wasn't there. They gave it to the snarky business guy. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess he was there to represent 1980s business guys and their sense of ideals and morals and things. And basically, yeah, all that stuff just gets shit on by Picard and Riker. Yeah, sort of telling him, oh yeah, we've outgrown. You know, humanity's no longer in their infancy. We don't need. We don't. We're not consumed with the acquisition of things. That's right. Material needs are no longer a thing. Yeah. All of humanity is provided for, I guess. Yeah, the challenge... No one is starving or destitute or anything. And yeah, this is, I guess, like the, some of the ideas that we've talked about quite a lot this season in terms of the pursuits of people that aren't in Starfleet or are in Starfleet, what drives them part of that comes out in the lines that these guys say like Picard basically says that the ambition and goal of humanity the drive is for self-improvement mm-hmm. when when businessman like challenges him like oh you know if, if you can't if it's not all about being successful in business what is your goal like how do you how do you measure success yeah. he's like well, it's, improve yourself yeah enrich what... yourself he's like I, don't, I already was rich he's like no no been de-riched. Yeah. So that, I guess, that's established pretty firmly I here. wouldn't do um, well in the 24th century. No? No. Why not? Because I'm way too lazy to improve myself. You could play Parisi Squares. No, I, I just stay home all the time, you know? I don't need to I don't need right. to earn my keep anymore, yeah. Just... So if you were one of these dudes, or you were the lady from Star Trek 4, you think you just, you'd have just future shock and you'd never really acclimate? If I were transported to the 24th century from now, yeah. I'd probably go crazy with all the stuff that I could do. Replicators, but if I were baby. born into that, well, you know, like if that was just like day-to-day life, I'd just be like, eh, whatever. That's, whatever. That's like a, that's just saying that you'd be bored with any circumstances you found yourself in Pretty once much. they became, once, once they became the norm. Yeah, so you think much. that would be different if you were transported there? Like, of course you'd be, at first, you think that would wear off? That's what yeah, I'm saying. Uh, eventually. You think so? Yeah. yeah. There'd be fun stuff to do. It's just human nature, though, is it's like when you get a new car for the first week, it's amazing. For the second week it's pretty great for the third week you're still really loving it and then eventually it's just your car that sir is because you're pursuing the acu 
accumulation of things. <laughs> That's not self-improvement. You should be trying to drive that car more dangerously every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, get right on that. I, yeah. I, have been, I have been driving my van. My, yeah. My tragic da- dad van. Whatever. You really could be cheating boring. death in that van. I know. Daily. <laughs> i get, I got to learn how to get that up on two wheels. Yeah, maybe don't do that. No? Eh, don't advise it. All right. Uh, so here we are at the end of season one. Can you believe it? I can't, but here it is. I stare behind me and I see a vast abyss. <laughs> and unfortunately in front of me I also see another vast, vast abyss. abyss that is season two. It's a slightly smaller abyss because it's only like 24 episodes. Nice. And there's, there's some, there'll be some good stuff in season two. Yeah, yeah. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah. We get Q-Who. Yep. We get uh, Measure of a Man. Yeah. I think an honest assessment is that season two is better than season one and it's going to be more fun to watch and review. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But everybody knows we're waiting for things season to three. Cook, heat up in season three. That's when that's when we start cooking with the lithium. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Really excited for it. Oh, uh, the uh, I guess what else can I mention? Other bits and pieces from this episode. Mm-hmm. Our redhead had uh, an extended scene. Oh yeah, where like I don't know, it's just a still shot. Like instead of her like walking around in the background, she, she was just... constantly in the background behind Worf, like yeah. at security, science station. Science station. Up. Yeah, um, so she was there quite a bit. No Wesley this episode. No, no Troy. No, we had Troy. Oh, we had Troy. Sorry, do we have Crusher? Yeah, we did have Crusher again. Yeah. yeah, everyone was there except Wesley. Except Wesley. Good riddance. I don't mean that. That's mean. That's not mean. Sorry. Yeah. So what would you rate this episode? <laughs> Ensign. I think I will give this a, uh, a junior lieutenant yeah. purely on the basis of the introduction of the Romulan warbird and to a lesser extent the reintroduction of the Romulans. Fair. But not a great episode. No. An I, episode that deserved more. The, it really did. I'm, it the, sounds uh, like it was handcuffed by the, the writer's strike. Yeah, the major plot point of the episode is good and had they devoted the entire episode to that I wanted to see them taking away missions down to each planet to see these you see know, some wreckage? Yeah, to see these removed science stations. You know, like, I wanted to get some scope on that. And I wanted there to be a lot of talk. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff was dealt with in abstract, it's true. Yeah, that's so... Uh, I think the biggest thing is, like... You, said is just this episode is really hampered by where it occurred in the season yeah like it could have been a decent season finale if the focus had been purely on the Romulan threat but there's no sense of tension at the end yeah Uh, you're not left wondering what's going to happen next really no only in the vaguest of terms yeah so Oh, well. So, yeah, an ensign and a junior lieutenant. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else you want to touch on? Not really. Okay. So, thank you for joining us here aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. I'm Polyclear. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.